You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Thank you for that good truth this morning. And, and uh, you know, they, it is important that our children don't just hear what we say. They watch what we do. And, uh, and a lot of times what we do is, is bigger in their minds than what we say. And, uh, you know, so let's not be do as I say, not as I do kind of parents. Let's be do as I do kind of parents. And, uh, the, and just a good example and a good reminder today. Unless you've been under a rock this week, uh, then you know that the Supreme Court draft has been leaked ahead of being released, which is a huge moment in itself because a breach of that kind is rare and unsettling. But making the moment even bigger is the fact that the draft effectively overturns Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion on a federal level in 1973. And it would place that decision of legalizing uh, legalizing abortion in the hands of each state. And it is brought to, to the surface once again the very emotionally charged debate, debate over viability of life, when life begins and when one has the right to life. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there, are, there were those uh, protesting outside of churches, even right here in Sioux Falls this morning, over, over this release uh, that came out from the Supreme Court this week. There are those who believe that a pregnancy can be terminated at any point during the nine months of a pregnancy. And there are those who are fine with the ending of a life, the life of a child, even after birth. Since 1973, over 63 million children have been terminated by the choice of someone who viewed them as an inconvenience or an obstacle. The government has supported and funded it for over 50 years, and they've made it an accessible option. It's far cheaper to have an abortion than to adopt a baby. I read how this week the Sioux Falls Planned Parenthood had gathered with all the employees and sat around and cried and got angry over the Supreme Court's decision. And and I'm thinking, why do we view it as an inalienable right to be able to take the life of a child? I mean, how did we get to this point? Even in the news release uh, from the Sioux Falls Planned Planned Parenthood office, it states... That someone came in worried about the court's decision and they were scared to get pregnant because of the possibility that abortion would be outlawed. So how did we get to the place as a society that the answer is give us the right to terminate the life of a baby instead of let's live morally responsible lives to avoid situations like that. And I understand uh, making mistakes and, and, and making wrong choices. I even understand the issue of, of rape. I understand the issue of the health of a mother. But as Bible believers, we don't get to pick and choose the circumstances or, or what we embrace as Bible believers in spite of the exceptions. There are things that are true no matter what. Life is a gift from God. Psalm 127.3, low children are an heritage of the Lord. They're, they are an inheritance. They are valuable. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Life is a gift from God. Any life in a womb or outside a womb. 
A child in the womb is created in God's image. We know that's true. Let us make man in our image, God said. And male and female created he them. In Psalm 139, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Don't tell me that God's not interested in a child that's still in the womb. And he's, and that child is created in God's image. Third, a child is the object of God's love. Already. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Exodus 21 makes it clear there's a penalty if someone is responsible for the death of an unborn child. God loves the world. If he views that a child as a viable person in the womb, he loves that child. And the Bible settles the abortion debate. And I know there are circumstances that can raise questions, but it's clear that children are a blessing from God. They are a gift from God. We are made in the image of God. A child is the object of God's love. And we can safely and boldly conclude that it is a violation of God's moral law to terminate innocent life. And an unborn child is as innocent as they come. But my point isn't so much abortion as it is this morning the importance of mothers in a culture that has devalued the life of a child. Because it's natural then then in a a society that devalues the life of a child and views a child as an obstacle that the role of a mother producing that child has also been devalued. If children aren't important then the role of of the one uh, birthing them will also be marginalized. And I firmly believe that the role of a mother is already one of the most underappreciated roles in our culture. These mindsets minimize it even more. But we have an example of a mother in Exodus 2 who was willing to make hard choices in a hard culture for the benefit of her son. Moses' mother is nameless in Exodus, but in Numbers 26 it tells us her name was Jochebed. And and, and her actions in Exodus 2 are so substantial that it led to her being named in Hebrews chapter 11 as part of the hall of faith. This was a woman with massive faith in a difficult culture that had placed a target on her son's life. By the time she came on the scene, Israel had been in Egypt for almost 400 years and they had come with a very small number, but God had prospered them and and built them into a nation and and Father Abraham really did have many sons and, and it took place in Egypt and they grew and became a mighty nation to the point that Pharaoh viewed them as a threat to his kingdom. So he forced them into difficult slavery. He was trying to break the back of this nation. But they continued to prosper and they continued to strengthen. So in a desperate move, he commanded then that all the Hebrew midwives, uh, upon then a son, a Hebrew son being born, that those, hidden, those midwives were to, to kill any son that was born to, the, to a Jewish family. It was an extermination attempt. But when the Hebrew midwives refused to carry out Pharaoh's plans, then he he ramped up his efforts. He told his people to be on the lookout for Hebrew babies. And if they came across one, they had governmental backing to throw that baby boy in a river and watch him drown. The government was involved. It was during this time that Jochebed became pregnant with Moses, her third child after Aaron and Miriam and Her older children were safe from this mandate, but the newborn boy was targeted for death. 
Can you imagine living with that kind of fear? There are some places in our world in, in which kidnapping is a daily threat. And, and you sometimes it, just reading even in our own country uh, some of the news stories that came out. I just read one just last week of this little girl in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin and just walking home. And I mean just the danger that lurks in the, in the woods, the danger that lurks in our children's lives. And, and if you aren't careful, I'm telling you, if we're not careful we can make ourselves sick with the possibilities and the dangers out there. But in some ways, that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's what should be concerning to us is that in, a, in our culture, in most American parents and maybe even Christian parents are more concerned with the physical dangers than they are the spiritual dangers. See, the truth is there is a, not just a physical river, there's a cultural river that's doing just as much damage to children as any physical threat that they're going to face. Abortion is just one of the many threats and one of the issues that, that seems backwards today and that they're exposed to. I mean, I'm talking about the violence on video games and in television and, and on the streets, the immorality in all those places, the agendas that are trying to be promoted in public education, the, the call for acceptance of things that are clearly stated in God's word. Physical threats aren't the only threats. Jochebed lived in a dangerous world too. And I want to focus this morning on her example of faith in a culture of danger. Because even though it looks different, we're there too. And our question is this, how do we keep our children from drowning in the culture? Well, number one, view your children as God sees your children. View a child like God sees a child. See, the world typically views a child in one of three ways. Either they say a child is an idol, and this happens in families where the child is the center of the home, and, and the child matters the most, and the child is lifted up and almost worshipped, and everything is about the child. Or So they, our culture views children as idols, but our culture also views children as tools, and, and that a child is simply a, a means to an end. There are those, though, that also they view a child as an obstacle. That that child is, is in the way, getting in the way of the way that they would like to live their life. But listen, God doesn't view children as idols or tools or obstacles. God views children as a blessing. They are a gift from God. And while the world diminishes the value of a child by viewing them as something they're not, don't forget the verse we already read. Children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. A heritage is a gift. It's a valuable gift. It's an inheritance. A reward is wages. So you're talking about a gift and wages. You're talking about things that have value. God views children as valuable. They're not expendable. Psalm 127 verse 4, the very next verse states that children are as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. An arrow will help a mighty man accomplish his purpose. Children are meant to help God's people fill the earth with, with image bearers to, to further God's kingdom work. They have value. They, they matter to God. They serve a high purpose for God. God views a child highly. Their gifts, their rewards, their arrows, they have value. And Jochebed looked at Moses and said, this child has value. Verse 2, it says, And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And that word goodly means he wasn't just an ordinary baby. Acts chapter 7 states that he was exceeding fair. 
So Jochebed looked at this boy, Moses, and knew there was something bigger in store for him. There was something special about him. And, and listen, I know every mother thinks their child, there's something special about their child. It's like, isn't it the most beautiful baby you've ever seen? Well, it's a baby, yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that a mother looks at a child with blinders and, I mean, says, this is the most perfect baby I've ever seen. Uh, there was something truly special about Moses. He was exceeding fair. You could look at this baby and know that God had something in store for him. And listen, I believe that Jochebed could look at Moses that way because of her faith in God. Her father saw value in Moses. Her father saw the value in the life of a baby. And she did too. She didn't view him as something ordinary. And I believe more parents need to develop this skill when looking at our children. See, we ought to strive to have thoughts as high for our children as God does. See, I believe that too many parents are playing defense for, with their children instead of playing offense. You know what I mean by that? Playing defense means that you're, you, you hope your child doesn't grow up to abuse drugs and alcohol. Now, we would all say that. But if that's our only standard, that's not a real high bar. We hope playing defense means you hope to, they grow up to be immoral kids that make good choices. Playing defense means you hope they grow up to be, to be able just to hold a good job and be a good citizen. You say, just don't be a felon, please. Some of your children you may look at and say, you know, you, you don't need to be, don't be a felon. No, all of us want those things for our children, but that's a pretty low bar. It's playing defense. There's no expectation um, of anything significant. You just hope they don't let the other team score too much. No, that's not the way that we should live our lives. Let's raise our children to play on offense. Let's pray that they grow up to be impact players. Now, I want them to get an education. And I've got four, four of my children in here, in here this morning and three in this room. And I, I want them to grow up and have an education and find a good godly spouse to make a life for themselves. But more than that, I want my children to serve God and make an in eternal difference in a local church and in people's lives and maybe even around the world. God sees our children as impact players. Do we? Viewing your child as an impact player will affect how you raise your child. See, parents with that viewpoint, they won't settle for what comes easy for every kid. You know, there are things that come easy for our children. I, I did not have to teach my son when his uncle, curse his uncle, got us an Xbox for Christmas one year. I did not have to teach my, my son to love to play the Xbox. He just does. You know what that should tell me, though, as a dad, is the things that come natural and easy for him, I ought to be careful about those things. Because I don't have to train him to play on the Xbox. I do have to train him, though, to clean his room. So what, what, what I need to do is learn how to balance. And we as parents in, are in a culture where the things that come easy, we let our children engage in most of the time. They don't need to be trained in the things that come easy. They need to be trained in the things that are right. So those things that come easy, we should be careful of those things. I'm not saying they're, e they're evil. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying that we should balance those things that come easy by training our children mostly to focus on the things that are right and the things that are best. Sleeping in, we don't have to train them for that. 
taking the easy way out, watching TV, getting on YouTube, getting a social media account, being irresponsible. Those are things that come easy for our kids. But if we allow them to engage in the things that come easy, they won't become impact players. Let's raise the bar for how we view our children. Moms, dream big for your kiddos. Let that potential shape how you raise them. Assume the Lord has big plans for their lives, just like Jochebed did for Moses. So view your children as God sees your children, and then raise your children, number two, in light of how God sees your children. Consider the risky lengths that Jochebed went in order to preserve Moses. I mean, she, she really did take some steps here that put her at risk. Look at verse 2. It says, Exodus 2, 2, And the woman conceived and bare a son. When she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. I mean, this is an infant. Three months. And, and if you think that doesn't sound too hard, try to fly with a baby on an airplane for three hours. Children's Tylenol is your best friend. I'm telling you, to, to hide a, a baby for three months and not be heard, this is difficult. This is every moment you're thinking about the child. Every moment you're trying to make sure the child doesn't cry. So she hid him for three months. And then verse 3, and when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. So she made this wicker basket. She covers it with tar and pitch to make it waterproof. By the way, the word for basket is the word used that for Noah's Ark. Both are pictures of being placed in a dangerous environment that's subject to the elements. I mean, I don't know, I've never been to the Nile River in Egypt, but what I understand about the Nile River is the Nile River has crocodiles. So she's placing her child in this ark, in the bulrushes, in a river with crocodiles. And if it rains, it could flood and and she's putting him there. But apparently what she built lasted long enough to protect him until he was found. And you start to see the pictures here. She was very sensible. She didn't send him floating down the river. She put him in a place uh, where the potential to be found was, was high. That there were women coming down and, and washing themselves and doing business there uh, at the river. And she put him where he could be found. She stationed his big sister Miriam to watch what was happening. And when Pharaoh's daughter came along, then Miriam volunteered to find somebody to be the nurse. And she just happened to get Jochebed, Moses' mother. I say happened with air quotes. I mean, she, this was God moving all of these things and these parts together. And even through all of this, Moses nursed by his own mother. What I love about all this is Jochebed did all she could but trusted God to do what he could. See, she built a sturdy vessel. It kept them safe from the elements. And parents, we need to raise our children to, to have a walk with God and to love God and know God and be committed to God enough that their vessel will be sturdy. Even in a, an element where the environment is unknown and the elements are dangerous. But at some point, though, she had to place him in the river. At some point, she had to trust God to do what only God could do. And this is such a good picture of the process that mothers have to walk through and dads have to walk through. And that, listen, you want to do the best you can. You want to raise them the right way. You want to prepare your children to be saved and know God and walk with God and love his word and be committed to their local church and 
be taught good character and to be a good person and to be a good student, we must equip them to follow God. It's not natural for them to follow God. We've got to train them to do those things. We have 18 years to do it usually, but at some point, a mom and dad have to say, we've done what we can, God. Now they're yours. And we, have to, we place them in the river and, and say, we've done all we can, and hopefully then we've done, we've built them something sturdy enough. Something that will protect them from the elements. But at some point, you've done all that you can do and you've got to place that child in the river and ask God to protect it. I mean, the hardest moment of my life was driving away from the campus of Heartland Baptist Bible College where our daughter goes there in Oklahoma City. You know, going and leaving her down there and driving away. I'm telling you, those were hard moments. And in my mind, I was thinking, God, I hope I've done enough to help her. I hope that I've, I've done enough to establish in her her own walk with God and, and that she loves God and she'll serve him, whether or not mom and dad are watching. Amen. We're, 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 we're raising them for that moment. We're not raising them to hold our hands our, their whole lives. Yeah. We're preparing them for the moment that they will then, it's just them and God and they're serving God of their own volition there are a few things harder than placing that child that you've prepared in that basket and setting them in the bulrushes because you know the dangers. You know what's waiting, but you can't hold on forever. And at some point, the training has to end, and from then on, you pray and ask God to do what only he can do. You know, the interesting parallel is this. Pharaoh's instrument of death was the river, but the river became the place that Moses was placed and found by Pharaoh's daughter. See, we can't avoid living in the world, but we must train our children not to be of it. Amen. If we can view them as highly as God does, we will train and discipline and teach them to love God no matter how dangerous the current, no matter how deep the culture. If our children will grow up knowing and walking with God, they can thrive even in a dangerous culture. I mean, I think about in the Bible, the examples of men, young men like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Joseph who had enough character and had enough commitment to the Lord that even when nobody was watching, they stood for right and they could have done wrong. Their parents, and I don't know their backgrounds, but somehow for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and their parents had, been th had built them a really good, a really good ark. Something that was solid and something that was sturdy and something that protected them. We must build something strong enough to keep the water out of their lives. It takes them, you know what though? It takes a mom and dad who think, God wants to do something with my child beyond the ordinary. Amen. This is not just, a, it's not just a baby. It's not how the world views it. It's not an idol. Uh, it, it's not an obstacle. It's not just a tool. This is a child God wants to use. There are two things every mother can learn from Jochebed. Is that first, she protected Moses from the world. You know, Satan and the worldly culture have targeted our children. If you don't, if you don't believe that, just read what they're saying behind the scenes about what they're trying to teach our children in our public school education. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he goes after the innocent ones, the, 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 less, the weaker ones. Peter wasn't just writing to adults. No, Satan, through the world's mindsets and philosophies, 
wants nothing more than to capture the hearts and minds of our children. Many parents have allowed their children to become immersed in the culture with very little concern about their well-being. I think about just media, you know, TV, and, uh, you know, house, uh, just in house hunting when we were looking for houses and it seems like there was a TV in every bedroom. I mean, children's bedrooms, obviously, and yet, you know, they got stuffed animals right here, television right here. Parents, careful. Internet temptations, cell phones with no filters, and listen, where our children are being thrown in the culture, but they don't have to, used to be that you have to go look for it to be thrown in the culture, and now the culture is being, is streaming. It's coming right into the homes, it's bypassing the walls and the front door, and it's coming through devices, and it's coming through television, and the, the, this, this, the services, and the mindsets, and the lifestyles, and the pleasures of sins. We wonder why our children have an appetite for worldly things, but they're seeing it everywhere they look. And we've got to protect them and build an ark. She daubed it with slime and pitch. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes parents um, that are not willing to just release their children, but, but to help them walk, navigate the, 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 the obstacles that come in culture. And, the, and I know it's inconvenient. I know it takes time. It takes care and attention. But, but Jochebed daubed it with slime and pitch, and it didn't sink. She built a good ark. And not only that, she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. She didn't toss Moses out into the middle of the river. You understand that? She put him in, a, in that little ark in a place where she could still reach him if necessary. And I think many parents make the mistake of throwing their children into the middle of the river without a connection to their hearts. But if you don't have a connection to their hearts, the world will soon have a connection. You've got to keep them at a certain place close enough where you can still have a connection with them. And we can't keep our children out of the water, but we can certainly build an ark that will keep the water out of their lives. And, and maybe it means that they don't have a TV in their room. I know that's the one I'm using just as an example. But perhaps it means they don't get a smartphone. A novel idea. The average age now, I think, is nine years old. Why do they need a cell phone? Maybe it means that we're selective about their friendships. We ought to be. Maybe it means that we, we're careful about who they spend their time around, even if we have to be the bad guy. No, whatever we do, teach them principles to live by so they know why we're doing it and why they should do it when they're making their own decisions someday. Build an ark with reason so they know the whys, not just the whats. You know, we live in a culture now that that they're asking questions and we can't get upset if they're asking questions. Listen, if it's a rebellious spirit, then that's one thing. But we ought to be able to, to articulate the wise parents. Not just what they're supposed to do, but why they're doing it. And mom, that, listen, that child that you're raising is worth the effort it takes to protect their hearts and minds and think through the reasons and give them those reasons. Jochebed went to great lengths to protect her son. Satan and the world are waging a war. What are you doing to protect your children and prepare them for the water? 
So the first lesson that we can learn from Jochebed is she protected Moses from the world. The second is she planted godly seeds in his heart. See, here's the balance. Yes, she protected him, but she also prepared him for life in the river. Look at verse 7. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. God's providence is just amazing here that not only did, did Jochebed get to nurse her own son and basically raise her own son, but Pharaoh's daughter paid her to do it. I mean, it's just an incredible story. It, but we, we don't know how, for sure how long Moses was nursed. We do know, history makes it clear, nursing would have been a lot longer of a process than how we practice it. But I want to pay attention to Moses' actions as an adult. To make some conclusions here. Look at verse 11. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren. Okay, I'm going to talk about that first. Stop right there. Moses went out unto his brethren. How did he know the Jews were his brethren? It's because he was raised by a mother who planted seeds of, of the right kind of mindset when he was young. So he went out, it says that he went out unto his brethren. He looked on their burdens and he identified with them. He, he, he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses is aware of who he is. He knows his identity. He knows his brethren and he has a heart for his people. In Acts chapter 7 it says when Moses was full 40 years old it came into his heart to visit his brethren the children of Israel. Verse 25 of Acts 7 says this about Moses about this account. When he, um, he supposed his brethren would have understood how that, by God, by, how that God by his hand would deliver them. So what we see here is Moses identifies so strongly with his Jewish brethren that he's going to try to deliver them in his own power. He's like, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to deliver them and I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to, and they'll understand this. They'll, they'll know. Well, they didn't understand. Okay, it was too soon. He wasn't quite ready and God's plan wasn't quite ready. But what we find out is that there were seeds had been planted in his heart to let him know who he was. And, and, and when he got older, he remembered who he was. When he got older, he remembered his mother and he remembered the seeds and he remembered God's, God had a purpose for his life. Not only did Moses know he was a Jew, he had it in mind to deliver them from bondage. He, even in his mind, he thought, there may be something bigger for me than what I'm doing. In Hebrews 11, it says that Moses, when in Hebrews 11, when, he, when Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Verse 27 says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And just a few verses before, in Hebrews 11, it says that his parents were not afraid of the king's commandment. So you see this? His parents weren't afraid of the king's commandment. They had faith in God and they wanted something bigger for Moses. And we see Mount Moses as a grown man. He's not afraid of the king's commandment. And he, he views himself as being somebody God can use in a bigger way. 
tell me where he got that. He got it from seeds planted by parents who had faith in, in a big God. And, and parents, the reason that our children, when they're getting older, are not standing strong is because they're not witnessing parents that have strong faith. And here's his parents. They're not afraid of the king's commandment. In other words, they're going cross-cultural. They're going against the grain. But listen, if you're raising our children, if we're raising our children and we're going with the cultural grain, when they get older, they're not going to want to go against the cultural grain. They need to see in us as parents, those of us that have faith enough to say, no, the culture is not going to dictate how we raise our children. The culture is not going to dictate the faith that we place in our children. Where's all this going? Well, when you consider that Jacob had nursed Moses as a child, the seeds were planted. He grew up with a heart for God and a heart for God's people. And they were seeds that started, I believe, with his mother. And as a mother, you're planting seeds. And it could take years to produce the fruit. You plant and you water and you plant and you water. And for years, you may not see the results. But moms, don't give up. Continue to protect and continue to, pro- and continue to plant. View your child like God views your child and let that view of your child affect how you raise that child. You plant in water, you train up a child in the way he's go when he's old, he will not depart from it. And listen, there's no promise of fruit right away. In fact, that verse says when he's old, he will not depart from it. And you may not know for a while. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Jacobed never saw Moses deliver the children of Israel. Because it took time. And you know what? It takes time every day. Slime and pitch and mud. Those are, that's how I'm describing motherhood this morning. But the same lessons over and over every day. Slime and pitch and mud. And you get up the next day and you do it all again. And we may not be all be mothers, and, or some of us may have children that are grown, but we can all plant seeds. Seeds of the gospel in children can bear fruit. We can contribute to the greenhouse. That's what this church is for. Maybe your time to invest in your own kids has passed. Well, maybe it's time to take somebody else under your wing and say, no, I want to help protect and plant seeds here. But really what it all comes down to is this. That Jacobed's view of her child affected how she raised her child. And if you just want the status quo, you'll raise your children a certain way. But if you want your children to be used by God in great ways and have great faith, you'll raise them differently. And the things that you struggle with, should I do this, should I not do this, suddenly those answers are, those questions are answered because the question is no longer, should I do that or this? The question is like, what do I, is this, what do I want my child to become? And if you have a view of your child like God views your child, it will affect how you raise your child. Moms protect their hearts, plant some seeds. Jacob had protected her son from the destructive desires of the world and then planted all the seeds she could in him with the hopes that someday he'd bear fruit. In those early investments, they didn't pay off for 80 years. But when Moses went back to Egypt and said, let my people go, God used him in a great way. And moms, your biggest contribution to the kingdom of God, it may not be what you do, it may end up being who you raise. 
you know, it's, it's like this. We, we have to view our children not as what they are, but what they might be someday. And you say, well, that's just really hard to do. But let me just remind you that God did that to you. See, when God sent his son into the world to die for the sins of all mankind, he wasn't looking at us for where we were. or He was looking at us for what we could become someday. That we would someday become sons of God, children of God. But when he sent Jesus, we were just sinners. And listen, we have to be able to look at that, look at our children through that same lens. And not look at what they are, but what they someday might be. And listen, you as a, as a person sitting here listening to this message today, I want to tell you this, as a, as a sinner, God doesn't look at you for what you are. He looks at you for what you could become someday. And right now, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You stand guilty before a holy God. You are guilty before God. And the Bible says the wages of that sin is death, which is eternal separation from God forever in a place called hell. That's the separation we deserve. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, what we were, Christ died for us. And he wasn't looking at just what we were. He was looking at what he could make us. And if you will place your faith in Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, he'll not only take you to heaven, he'll clean you up. He won't, he'll no longer look at you as a sinner. He'll look at you as a son of God or a daughter of God. He'll look at you as a child of God. And today, that, the offering of the gospel through, of salvation is available to you this morning. He looks at you this morning, but not just as what you are, but what you could become. And that's the key to a good mother. Is that you don't in the moment let that decide all your decisions. You, you think, oh no, what could this child be someday? And you make your decisions based on that, just like Jochebed did. Look in the face of that child and think they could be the next Moses. They could be the next Peter or Joseph and, or Daniel. They, they might be the next pastor of Eastside Baptist Church. They may serve as a missionary and reach countless souls someday. They may grow up and just be a faithful member of a church like this and give and serve faithfully and we need people like that. To make their church family the best it is, all I know is this, God may want them to be an impact player. So I can't raise them like they're gonna be on the bench their whole life. I wanna get them in the game. Allow that thought to affect how you raise your children. Consider that God wants to do something great with them and then protect them like they're Moses. Plant seeds like they're Paul. And if you'll just keep protecting and planting, you, you have a great promise that God will bless your efforts and they may never grow up to be famous Christians. But if they grow up to love the Lord and please him, that's beyond the ordinary for most young people. You don't know what, who you're raising and you don't know who they might become. So just protect and plant like they're Moses. And they just might turn out to be one. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Moms, I hope it's an encouragement this morning to you. But to our church and to those listening this morning, I just want to remind you that God sees value in the life of every child. 
And we've got to view children the way God views them. They're valuable. They matter. They're important. And therefore, we should influence and protect and plant and raise them as if God wants to do something great with them. It'll impact the way that we treat them. It'll impact the way we raise them. It'll impact the way that we speak to them. It'll impact the way that we love them. Our view of our children, not just ours, but the children around us, our view of those children will impact how we treat them, how we raise them. So our view of them is all is very important. And this morning, maybe you've gotten skewed, maybe you've lost sight of the life, the value of the life of one child. Maybe this morning there's a mother who's discouraged and you're thinking, boy, I don't, think how, I don't see how this is ever going to turn out. Well, I'm just telling you, you just keep doing what you're supposed to do and let God do what he can do and assume that God's going to use him in a great way and someday you'll just never, you never know, someday you might see God turn that child into something you never thought they could become. Let God cast your vision for your child. For the rest of us, let's just pray that this next generation will grow up and exceed us. That they will grow up and think, well, maybe they'll grow up and think, well, I see what this generation did, but I want to go beyond that. And maybe God would use some of our young people in this room to be the next Moses and the next great person of faith. We just have to look at them like God sees them and let that affect how we treat and raise them. Father, thank you for the truth and for the help through Jacobed's example. And I pray that you this morning help us to see our children the way you see them and therefore raise our children the way that we would raise them if we knew there was something great in store. God, help us to protect them from the world and plant seeds of faith so that someday you might could use the next generation in a way beyond what we could even imagine. God, I pray that you have your will and way in the invitation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.